we'll try this. Okay, well, we'll do that too. There'll be a lot of things different today. We won't uh, won't have any uh, electronic stuff. You know, this is paper. Or how about that? I got to stand really still, don't I? But actually, this sermon is written on paper, so uh, hopefully it'll work the same as uh, the electronic ones. But let's begin with prayer, Father. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather here. We come here to worship you. I think sometimes we get confused. We enjoy each other's fellowship, but you are to be our focus. And uh, we want to worship you today. We want to be pleasing in your sight. I think as a parent myself and all parents here would agree that how great it is when our children come and say that they love us. And we want to do that today, Lord. We want to tell you that we love you. Bless our service. May you be glorified in it, and may we benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that'll work better. Now, can you hear this or not? Oh, Okay. How's that? All right. We'll move this one then. Um, As Christians, uh, we've placed our faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We sang about amazing grace even as far as that goes. Jesus, we would all agree, is the foundation on which we build upon. But what we want to talk about today is what we build on that foundation. Um, We could recite a lot of verses that would tell us how to properly build. uh, But I want to just look at a few to begin with, and then we'll uh, move into the rest of the message. Romans 12, 1 through 2. These are verses that you're pretty familiar with, and we'll be talking a little about it as we go on. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, to view, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And the last one, Galatians five twenty eight. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So perhaps today it's time for what I would call a little self-examination to see how we measure up when testing and trials and temptations come our way. How do we fare? I know uh, the Old Testament, I love it. Uh, Sometimes uh, we think of it as a history book, but it's a part of God's written word 
just as the New Testament is. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So let's consider some of the old familiar Bible heroes, if you would, and, and how we might react in a similar situation. We can't necessarily duplicate exactly what they did, but um, I think you will get, get the idea as we move on. Where do we begin? Let's begin with Adam, all right? Might as well start in the beginning, right? We know him most, of course, for his sinful act, don't we? Uh, he ate the forbidden fruit knowingly. What was his first reaction? Blamed it on the wife. But the fruit looked good. Looked good to eat. What forbidden fruit? This question for us is what forbidden fruit is tempting us? If we fail, are we quick to blame somebody else? Their children, Cain and Abel, looking at their offerings. We just took offering here, and this should fit pretty well with that. The Lord looked at uh, on, looked at Cain's uh, looked at Abel's with favor, but not Cain's. But it had to do with the motivation in which that they gave their offering. Uh, Cain became very angry with God when his was not accepted. And God told told him if he would do what's right, he would be accepted also. But if not, sin is, as the scripture says, crouching at the door and desires to have him or control him, if you would. But Cain must master that situation. Ask yourself today, what's your motivation for the offering that uh, we just took here? What about Noah? We have lots of thoughts about Noah and the flood. And the setting before the flood, uh, uh, to me, really kind of sets the tone for the story. If we looked in Genesis 6-5, it said, It says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become. And get get this part. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil all the time. Um, When we watch the news, we wonder where the inclinations of the hearts of man are today. Um, But it's interesting to note that even though it was evil times that Noah lived, Noah walked with the Lord. If we think our times are evil, are we still remaining true to our walk with the Lord? Uh, Noah didn't say everybody else is doing it. and We're not to say that either. We should walk with the Lord even in evil times. Abraham, we could talk a lot about Abraham Genesis 12:1 says the Lord had said to Abram at that time, "Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you." You see, God had big plans for Abraham. I just kind of wonder if perhaps He took him from his homeland and took him to a foreign land so He would have His complete attention. Doesn't necessarily say that in Scripture, but he, you'd have to wonder. Uh, sometimes we are a little harder to uh, get a hold of when we're surrounded by family and familiar things. Abraham was 75 years old at the time. 
What could have been some of his excuses for not going? I'm 72, and I could tell you, I could think of a few myself. And uh, but he didn't. What negative influence could Sarai, who her name was at that time, what about what about uh, her? What could her influence have been? What would your response be? That's a question that in your self-examination to ask yourself. If you were asked by God to leave your job, your farm, your ranch, uh, take what possessions you could take with you and head out to a place you don't even really know where you're going to go. Wives, this is for you. If your husbands came to you with such a plan, what would your response be? Would you start packing your bag or saying, (laughs) well... You know some of the things that could be said. But most importantly, what would you say? There were many other tests that Abraham faced, not the least of being which he was asked to sacrifice his only son. I don't recall from Scripture anyone else that was asked to make such a sacrifice. But God wanted to see if Abraham valued anything or anyone uh, higher than God himself. And, of course, Abraham, Abraham passed even that test with flying colors, and God provided the sacrifice, as you, as you know. Our question is, do we value anything or anyone more than we value our relationship with Christ? Don't forget, when Abraham offered, asked to sacrifice his only son, God did sacrifice his only son for our salvation. Abraham, as he was later named, passed many tests that we may have failed. But he wasn't perfect. One failure was becoming impatient, waiting for the heir that God had promised him. Under the encouragement of his wife, he had a son with Sarah's maidservant. Ishmael became the father of 12 tribes. These Twelve tribes settled near the border of Egypt and lived, the Bible says, lived in hostility toward all their brothers. People still exist today. You see the results of sin and how long they can linger. Abraham was 99 years old when Isaac was born. Do we consider the negative results that come when we become impatient waiting for God and we decide to take our own path instead, take matters into our own hands. Joseph, you know the story there pretty well. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was transferred to Egypt. He was bought by a rich man. And he served this rich man very well. He was falsely accused, sent to prison. He served in prison very well. He interpreted dreams, including Pharaoh's. He gave the credit to God. He was promoted again and served very, very well. Um, As, I don't know if it's called like the prime minister of of Egypt, second in command only to the king anyway. Um, But in each situation, he served very well. He ended up saving Egypt and his own family. He forgave his brothers. He recognized that it was a part of God's plan. How would you do through all that situation? 
you're your dad's favorite. Your siblings are kind of jealous and they sell you into slavery. Or even think of the arguments that transpire when there's a, uh, uh, what do you call it? When somebody dies, you leave a heritage and, you know, people argue and fight over that kind of stuff. What would you do? Do you give up? Feel sorry for yourself? Or do you adjust and use whatever talents God has given you for his glory? When you accomplish something that's great, do you take the credit yourself or give the credit to God? Do you forgive those who wronged you? Not only did he forgive in Joseph's case, but he saved them as well. Boy, you could have used that opportunity to get even, couldn't he? Think about it. Would you have? Moses. Moses was under a death sentence by Pharaoh when he was born. He was raised as a prince by Pharaoh's daughter, as you know. He did maintain a kinship with the Hebrew slaves. He killed an Egyptian and fled to Midian. He lived in this desert setting for 40 years. Then he was called by God to go back to Egypt and deliver the Hebrew slaves. He was 80 years old at the time. How can we look at ourselves in such an unusual setting? Most of us won't go through that type of a thing. But there are things that we can learn. How much time has God needed to prepare you for what he has in mind for you? Have we been patient during that time? We're living in an age of kind of instant gratification. So uh, being asked to be patient for 40 years might be a stretch for most of us. But he didn't even know why he was in that desert setting in the land of Midian for 40 years. But during that time, he learned a lot about desert living, as you know from the rest of the story, is going to come in pretty handy. Of course, he had God to lead the way anyway. But um, I don't know what God has planned for your life. But I can say this, spending time in God's word will help you to be prepared for whatever he has in mind. So utilize the time that you have and be patient. When called upon, answer the call. God can and he will use you for his purpose. David, we can say much about David's reign as uh, king of Israel, but I just want to concentrate or mention one thing today. David was called a man after God's own heart. He, like each of us, was not perfect, but he was still considered a man after God's own heart. How will you be described by others? There's nothing that I'd rather have said about me that he was a man after God's own heart. But how can we qualify for such a description? I'll share one verse with you that will help. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. Love certainly would have to be a key. Then we're going to go and talk about Jonah. (laughs) I can't help but think, every time I think of the story of Jonah and the whale, great fish, whichever, I think of the story that Chuck Swindoll told, and I've told it before, uh, and I know in the Sunday school class they've heard it, but perhaps some of you haven't. Here's Mr. Swindoll sitting in a plane reading the Bible. The man next to him says, uh, you don't believe all that stuff in the Bible, do you? Well, he says, yes, matter of fact, I do. Well, yeah, but what about things like Jonah being swallowed up by a fish? Well, how do you explain that? And uh, Mr. Swindoll says, well, I can't really explain it, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. Well, the man says, yeah, but Jonah, what if he doesn't get to heaven? He said, well, then you ask him. (laughs) But you know the story. He was sent by God to preach to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. What did he do? He ran from God. As you know, he encountered a storm at sea. He was thrown overboard, swallowed by, a, I'm going to say a whale, because we always refer to it as that. Um, but while he was in that belly of the whale for three days, he repented and stated to God that he would be willing to go and do as he was originally directed. And the fish took him. This is amazing. It shows how God was the one that definitely delivered him. The fish goes up to shore and vomits him up. So he went on to Nineveh and he preached. If you don't turn in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. But they turned. They repented from their evil ways and turned to the Lord. And God had compassion on him and relented. What's Jonah's response? He was kind of angry because he wanted them to be punished for all the wickedness that they had they had uh, done. What can we learn from that? What's, what's our question? Have you ever ran from God? Failed to follow his leading? Did he take you to an uncomfortable place? Have you ever been in a place as hopeless as being in the stomach of a whale. There's, you couldn't rely on your neighbors. You couldn't rely on anybody else to deliver you. Only God can deliver you from those things. And he won't leave you there if you understand why you're there in the first place and turn to him. If you're called to witness to someone, especially maybe it's someone that has lived a pretty wicked life, If they turned and God had compassion on them, they repented, would you be filled with joy or would you be angry, feeling that they should be punished? What about Daniel? We have a... No, we're not talking about either one of you. But what a person to be named after. It's quite an honor. Um... We know Daniel mainly because of the interpretation of dreams. When Nebuchadnezzar was asked if he could interpret dreams, keep in mind, if you remember the story, 
Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to not only interpret the dream, he wanted them to tell him what the dream was. That's a pretty impossible situation. Even the magicians, if you would, of his country, they couldn't come up with an interpretation for that because they had to identify. But when, when he asked Daniel about this, Daniel says, I can't, but God can. Paraphrasing just a little bit. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So he gave the glory to God to begin with. I would like to, us to think about what else we can learn from Daniel. Put yourself in his place. Here was a young man of noble character, I think the Bible says. His nation was conquered. He was transported to a conquering nation whose way of life was not only uh, different, but it was offensive to the life that they lived in his home nation of Israel. It would be like if we were conquered and taken to Iran or Iraq or uh, China or someplace like that. He knew that there would be difficult times ahead, and this is an important thing for us to learn. He knew that there were difficult times ahead, so what did he do? He purposed in his heart, or resolved, if you would, not to defile himself. So what did he do when he got there? He didn't rebel. He didn't complain. He remained true to his beliefs. But at the same time, he served loyally this foreign king. God rewarded Daniel and his three companions uh, with knowledge and understanding, the Bible says. Remember his three friends at the fiery furnace. You remember the story well. Um, But how would you feel? That's a question that we need to ask. How would you feel if you were forced to leave everything? Not in Abraham's case, he was asked to move. But in this case, a nation conquered them and took them away. To go to an enemy nation and be considered a slave. Would you serve willingly? Should you? I guess when we think about it, if, if our, as Christians, if our citizenship is in heaven, we are serving in a foreign nation. We don't think about it that often, but uh, we, we probably should. Do we complain in our own jobs? Um, do you feel like, a, perhaps even feel like a slave at some point? Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. I had another little story, but I'll skip that one for the sake of time. I'd like us to look at one more Bible character. But this time we're going to go into the New Testament. I'm going to read Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 23. Got to get a little better light here. 
As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come. And follow me. At this, the young man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Let's look closely at that passage. What do you think of this young man? In, in some of the other Gospels, he's called a young ruler. The first thing he did, he ran to Jesus. He knelt before Jesus. This wasn't in some secret meeting place. This was in, in a public square, if you would. I would give him a lot of credit. Pretty humbling thing for a young ruler. He asked this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a pretty important question. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus answered by listing the commandments. The man answered that he had done all of these since youth. Woo. I would, today he would be uh, considered a pretty good church goer, wouldn't you say? All of you are here today as well. But Jesus said you lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Follow me. The young man walked away sad because he had great wealth. People, this is not a command for us to sell everything that we have and give it to the poor. It's actually a much more critical question than that. Remember the man's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? From what we know about him, we would say that he was pretty well on his way. But Jesus knew his heart. He knew what barrier existed that needed to be tore down. This young man valued his wealth more than anything else, including, in this case, eternal life. Matthew 6.24 says we can't serve both God and money. So our question again is similar to before. Is there anything or anyone that we value higher than Jesus? There could be many different barriers in our lives. It doesn't always have to be money. But if we ask, Jesus will identify them and destroy them if we ask him and and willingly follow. We sing songs like, I surrender all. And maybe... That's something that we need to start doing in our life and not only singing if, that is our cha- uh, if that's our choice. But I began by saying that we are going to use this time for self-examination. I'd like to switch that right now.
because of this story to not self-examination, but allowing Jesus to look into our hearts. You see, we can't fool him. He knows what, what our hearts are like. Um, Psalms 139, 23, and 24. This is a man after God's own heart reading now, uh, writing, so pay attention to this. You've heard it before. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my, if, uh, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you asked the Lord to search your heart lately? Perhaps it's something that we all should be doing uh, often. We can learn much from the Bible heroes that we've talked about today. We can learn from the times that they were successful. We can learn from their mistakes. Remember the opening verses that I shared in the beginning. Um, And use them. Write them upon your heart along with the whole Bible to guide you through life as you continue uh, your path toward heaven. Trust in the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Produce the fruits of the Spirit in all that you do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you care enough about us. Even as this young man came to you and uh, had characteristics that we admire, you knew that there was something that needed to uh, change in his life. And you know that about our hearts as well. So I pray this day that we would be open to having you search us and tell us what needs to be changed. You don't identify these things to trap us and say, ah, I caught you. You do so we can be open to having you deliver us, even if it's from the belly of a whale. There's times we've probably all felt that we've been there, May we we always remember that you're a loving and compassionate God. May our hearts be turned to you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Is there any more singing or or are we free to go?